This Washington Post Live podcast is sponsored by PwC. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. On June 26th, economic experts and business leaders held in-depth conversations live at the Washington Post about the impact of the tax law six months after it took effect and what is ahead for the next phase of tax reform in America. In this segment, you'll hear from senior leaders from the business and labor communities who evaluate tax reform's effects on the corporate and manufacturing sectors, as well as on American workers. Let's listen. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Libby Casey, the on-air video politics and accountability reporter here at The Washington Post. And we'll continue our discussion today looking at business and workers and how both the tax law that went into place affected them and also what we're looking at to the future. Joining us, Seth Hamlin from the Center for American Progress, a former economic advisor to President Obama. Next to him, Caroline Harris, Vice President for Tax Policy at the Chamber of Commerce. And to her left, Chris Shelton, the President of the Communication Workers of America. Rounding us out, Eric Newhouse, Senior Vice President at the National Association of Manufacturers. Let me remind everyone here in the room and watching us online that you can join the conversation, send us questions using the hashtag postlive on Twitter. So Seth Hanlon, I want to start with you. We just heard from Kevin Hassett, the chair of the Council of Economic Advisors, uh, painting a rosy and positive picture of the tax bill. Uh, he says wages have gone up faster than thought. What's your view? Uh, well, if you just look at the data, wage growth over the last year in real terms from last May to this May has been zero, 0, 0.0 from last May to this, to this May. Um, so nominal, you know, wages have grown up a little bit in nominal terms, but that growth has been entirely eaten up by the rise in prices, you know, gas prices, um, healthcare, whatever else. Uh, and so we absolutely are not seeing uh, any rise in real wages yet. Now it's possible, um, of course, you know, he talked about that we're seeing an explosion in business investment, and in theory, um, over time, uh, if there is a huge explosion of business investment and workers become so productive and they find a way to share in the, in the or to bargain for wages where they share in the, uh, the fruits of that increased production, which they haven't yet, um, they could see a, a wage increase, but we certainly haven't seen it yet. And we're not seeing any kind of explosion in business investment. Uh, in the first quarter, um, it, there was a slight uptick, but it was less than we saw in the first quarter last year. And we're not even at the levels that we saw in capital, you know, capital uh, investment that we saw from 2012 to 2014. So um, you know, the, obviously it's, it's early, but the early res returns are not very promising. Carolyn, I want to get you in the conversation here sure. and have you respond to this. Much of the return of the tax breaks have gone to investors, um, to companies that have been able to do buybacks, to shareholders. What about workers and, and everyday Americans who? who how, sure. How are so they I would actually so I, a stock buyback is a way to distribute retained earnings. So um, I think it's true that you know that is for years we had come people complaining about the fact that corporations were hoarding cash. Now we have people complaining about how they're distributing that cash to shareholders. So, I mean, okay, but I mean, I think the reality here is that the money that is going back to shareholders, when companies do stock buybacks, they see an increase in stock price, they see an increase in stock value. That value goes to the 50% of Americans who hold stock, that value goes to the 4 and $10 of 
in market investment that is held in retirement plans. So to me, starting just the premise of your question, stock buybacks that benefit 50% of Americans and retirees ultimately over time are not a bad thing. Um, yeah, Chris. Uh, you know, the stock, but when the tax bill was, when they were talking about it, uh, employers were coming out saying that they were going to give a $4,000 wage increase. That just has not happened. Uh, it's not on the horizon to happen. Uh, we've seen, uh, and they were going to increase jobs. We've seen jobs, uh, for instance, one of our employers, AT&T, where we have about 110,000 people, said they were going to increase jobs by 7,000 uh, 7, jobs for every billion dollars in tax cut. Well, they got a $3 billion tax cut, and we've seen 6,000 6, layoffs since the uh, tax cut happened. Yeah, the Communication Workers of America and some other of the nation's largest labor groups have asked for details from companies about just exactly what is happening, um, how are they using the gains from the tax cuts. What have you found out so far? Uh, absolutely nothing. Uh, they've refused to, to kind of tell us so far. We're uh, filing charges with the NLRB where we're in contract negotiations, for instance, with AT&T, with American Airlines, because by law they have to tell us what, what's happened with that money. and. They've refused so far to do it. We, we pretty much know what's happened with it. It's all stock buybacks and, and uh, bonuses to CEOs. I want to give Caroline a chance to respond. Sure, to I, I would just say that, you know, look, in the wage space, I think the reality is this. Wages languished for eight years under the Obama administration. We see wages, as Kevin Hassett hit on, um, I'll disagree and look at nominal wages. Um, we see them improving in the past year since this administration came in, largely due to deregulation. Now they are continuing to improve as tax reform works its way through the economy. I would caution everyone today, we are six months into tax reform. We have had 31 years of this tax code deteriorating, so I, I think it's key to give tax tax reform a little bit longer to work its way through the economy. That said, as it does, I would expect mar labor markets to constrict and to see worker wages rise. So I will take I will take Kevin Hassett's approach to the issue. Eric, I want to get you in the conversation. The Joint Committee on Taxation report released in April shows that the, the benefits for businesses, for example, like pass-throughs, are not actually impacting small businesses in the way that some had anticipated and hoped, because pass-throughs can be a, a range of businesses. So what should be done to help some of these mom-and-pop businesses? Yeah, let me, I guess, begin with, I guess, what we're seeing in the manufacturing space on the right. jobs, and again, I think it'll, it'll inform that question. So 2016, the first five months of the year, the manufacturing sector lost 16,000 jobs. 2017, same period, first five months, the manufacturing sector created around 63,000 jobs. This year, we've already created 115,000 jobs. So now again, you could make the argument that that is just accidental. I would make the argument that there is a direct relationship between what we're seeing in the economy and what Congress and policymakers did on, t on the tax code. So from my perspective, again, I, it, it, the, the manufacturing sector, there's an optimism that we've not seen before. So I'm actually, I was pretty sure that things would be great in the manufacturing sector. We actually surveyed our members to say, hey, what, what are you actually seeing? What are you doing? What is happening? And the numbers, I actually am surprised by them, so I actually have a piece of paper in front of me to make sure I don't screw them up. 95% um, optimism about the future of the economy. 95%. We've been asking that question for 20 years. This is the highest number we've ever seen. 77% plan to increase hiring. 86% plan to increase investment. And 72% plan on increasing wages. So again, that kind of, the small and medium size, let me kind of answer the question more discreetly. I think about a company in Mount Vernon, Ohio, about 45, 60 miles northeast of Columbus. There's 450 employees there, 2,000 employees across the country. 
Aerial Corporation raised its wages by 13% this year. That's pretty powerful, and it's directly related to the tax bill. Chris, from your perspective, what are workers feeling? We're hearing a lot of optimism that, according to NAM, um, in their latest survey, but what's your perspective on workers? Uh, workers uh, are feeling quite left out because uh, they were promised certain things by this tax cut by not only the president, but uh, Ryan and McConnell and uh, employers, and it's just not happening. For instance, the manufacturing sector, we represent a lot of people in the manufacturing sector. And just this morning, I got a notice that uh, GE is laying off 300 people in Virginia. So uh, the numbers that uh, they're talking about here, I don't see happening on the ground, and workers don't see happening at all, and their wages are not going up. And the whole premise that when productivity rises, wages rise, is uh, proven by history to com be completely incorrect because for the last 30 years, productivity has been zooming through the ceiling in the United States, and wages have stayed stagnant for 30 years. What would your members like to see in the next version of a tax bill? Uh, some way to get uh, companies not to use the money for stock buybacks and to use it for wage increases and, and investment in businesses in the United States, not overseas where the tax bill Another promise that was made was that they would be bringing back work from overseas. Well, under the, this new tax bill, uh, the tax rate for uh, profits made in overseas uh, concerns for American businesses is half what it is of the 21%. It's only 10.5% in uh, profits made overseas. Carolyn, could there be a component in the next tax bill that states how workers should benefit and really lays it out because of the if what you well, and Eric are talking about it, how workers will ultimately benefit anyway could it could it be codified could it be really written so I think the, the reality is the ability to do stock buybacks is permissible under SEC rules it's not under a tax code rule it's under a 1982 SEC rule so I think it's sort of a, a different thing I also think that well, companies are choosing what to do with the money right and I think but that. I think the decision to do a stock buyback and I can't comment on a specific company you talked about things you know oftentimes we see there was an article in CQ over the weekend that talked about stock buybacks and then talked about companies laying off people and the reality is is the stock buybacks are a result of a huge amount of retained earnings and need to distribute cash. You can absolutely use retained earnings for plant and equipment investment. You can use it for worker training. But the reality is on the worker side, whether you need workers, a lot of these things that are being laid off are part of restructuring plans that were implemented five years ago. And the reality is the need for workers is driven by supply and demand. If I have 200 workers in, in New Jersey and I don't need them there anymore, I, as, a, as a CEO in charge, I'm not going to keep that. I'm going to reallocate that capital elsewhere. So I think you know, I think we're sort of, it's a false choice to say that you have to choose between stock buybacks and, and worker retention. Seth, I, I want to bring you back into the conversation to respond to that, but also talk about this idea uh, of, of how worker wages actually go up. And is it something that happens because of a tax law or is it something that happens just because of supply and demand and, and what's out there in the market? I think it's because of supply and demand, but it's also because it's also because of bargaining power and the power that workers have to negotiate higher wages for themselves. So, you know, and the rules uh, around collective bargaining, the rules governing things like the minimum wage and overtime. Um, and we've seen the Trump administration take aim at all those rules and all those protections. Um, and so I don't think it's any surprise that um, that wages aren't going to keep up the way some, um, you know, uh, uh, pure economic model will, would show because I think there, the recent decades have proven that there's something uh, broken. The link between productivity, as Chris mentioned, the link between productivity and wages is broken. Um, and that's why, that's exactly why, as many of the critics of the tax bill said before it passed, simply giving more cash to corporations that were already flush with cash 
uh, that were already seeing record high profits was not going to translate into higher wages. Um, and that's what we're seeing so far. What would you like to see in a new tax bill? Is there something that, that could, could be on the plate that you would um, that, that you could be happy with, given the current Congress? Well, I think the main, the main thing, well, I don't know about given the current Congress, but maybe we'll talk about it next year. I mean, I think the main thing is, well, for the current Congress, let's not dig the hole deeper, right? They already added $2 trillion to the debt, right? And the deficit this year is going to be $200 billion higher than it would be. Next year, it's going to be $280 billion. And over 10 years, it's $2 trillion. And, um, you know, despite what uh, Dr. Hassett says, the tax cut will not pay for itself. Tax cuts do not pay for themselves, and no one believes that, with the exception, possibly, of, of Dr. Hassett. Uh, but no one believes that. And, um, and this is important, not just abstractly. It's important because that's going to create pressure on Social Security, on Medicare, and Medicaid. And I think workers understand that, American people understand that, is that when we take, we give $2 trillion away to predominantly to people at the top and to corporations, um, they're going to pay for that in the end. So to answer your question, what I'd like to see is to roll back some of those tax cuts uh, for people at the top. Caroline and Eric, what would you like to see in phase two as we're hearing uh, may, maybe cooking for tax reform? So the tax bill has had a direct impact on the creation of 115,000 manufacturing jobs. I think it's hard to say to those 115,000 families, you have not benefited because of the tax bill. Think about going home every night to your family and having a job that you didn't have before, directly tied to this tax bill. So from my perspective, thinking about next versions of tax, a conversation around going back to an environment in which the manufacturing sector was losing 16,000 jobs in the first five months of 2016, not the great path. Instead of kind of looking at it from let's rein in, slow down, and hamper job development and wage growth, and putting more families in a position where they're able to, to pay for themselves and, and an $82,000 income as the average manufacturing worker, say to those families in the future, we want to do more of that, not less of that. Tax bill 2.0, 3.0, whatever this turns into, whose goal is to do more job creation for manufacturing sector, that should be the goal. Caroline? I would add we'd like to see permanency in some of the spaces. We obviously had to make choices because of revenue confines that certain provisions were temporary. I think things like the pass-through, the small business provisions, making them permanent, um, seeing permanency in capital expensing, cost recovery space um, would be things we would advocate for. Chris, we just heard from Eric um, a positive picture of how manufacturers are feeling and therefore their employees are, are feeling in job creation. Uh, it's amazing to me because of where I sit uh, hearing that uh, the tax bill, which is only six months old, has created 116,000 jobs in the manufacturing sector because uh, I see lots of layoffs in the manufacturing sector. But, um, you know, uh, what we need is we need to make sure that anything in the future uh, is pointed at workers, not at corporations and CEOs and, and the wealthy, because this tax bill is all for those folks and not for workers. And uh, workers just will not benefit and have not benefited from this. Uh, it's just the opposite, actually, because what's going to happen is they're going to come back and they're going to try to do things to Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. And those things are things that workers depend on. And CEOs and corporations don't really depend on them. So Caroline we need something to make sure that those things are all right. Should we look for pay-fors in programs like the safety net programs in America? Should those be 
mind for the, the big question of how all of this will get paid for, especially if some of these cuts are made permanent, whether it's uh, related to you know the estate tax or whether it's related to businesses. Caroline? Sure, look, I think, you know, I'm not going to throw out pay for us. That's kind of counterintuitive to what the chamber does. But I will say, look, we do think that you need to look at those programs. We do think that you should look at entitlements and probably have a conversation about spending. So is that part of the tax conversation to us? Probably not. But we probably think you should look at them in a different way that, that you know, Mr. Shelton thinks you should look at them. But I do think we should look at them. I would say, I mean, so the tax bill, $1.45 trillion over a 10-year was the score, I think, at the end. Entitlement spending over a 10-year period will be $35.2 trillion. $1.45 and $35.2 trillion. We absolutely need to have a spending conversation in this country. Entitlement reform needs to be on the table. But have some context here. The long-term debt and deficit issues are not being driven by a $1.5 trillion score over a 10-year period. Long-term debt and deficit issues are being driven by entitlements. Let's have that discussion. The chamber, to their credit, has been talking about this for a long time. We couldn't agree more. There's real issues that have to be dealt with. And now we've, we've missed too many opportunities over the years. It's a great chance to move, move that conversation forward. Let's have it. Zev, can you respond to that? I mean, there you hear it, right? So we were promised that the tax bill would pay for itself. It's going to cost $2 trillion. So whatever you think about uh, the, the issues on the spending side, we increase the debt by $2 trillion more, you know, it's going to be more of a long run, especially if they extend some of these tax cuts. And every penny uh, that uh, we just gave away in tax cuts is going to have to, under this, you know, uh, this point of view, is going to be, have to come out of those programs. So why, if we have such a problems with deficits and debts, why is the number one legislative priority of this administration to increase those debts by giving away tax cuts to corporations and wealthy people? It's only going to make our uh, the challenges we have with important programs like Social Security and Medicare uh, much worse. Can we have this conversation without talking about tariffs and without talking about trade wars? Um, Chris, what, is that is that the, the big elephant in the room right now? Uh, yeah, in the last couple of weeks, I guess it is. And, you know, uh, tariffs and trade wars are, are not good things for uh, uh, working people, for sure. Caroline? I think I'll take this occasion to, to agree with the gentleman <laughs> to my left for once. I think, look, one of our biggest concerns is, and we have disagreement here, we think there are benefits to the tax to the tax reform efforts. We think absolutely a trade war and tariffs will roll back those, those positive impacts. I think we saw Gary Cohn say this over the weekend. I think there's universal agreement almost that this is going to hurt an economy which could be benefiting from this tax reform. So we certainly don't want to see that. Um, we already see Harley-Davidson over the weekend issuing responses as a result of EU tariffs. Our goal certainly was not to have manufacturing moved outside the United States. If that is the result of a tariff, we should be giving pause and reconsidering what is happening here. So should that be part of this discussion as legislators talk about phase two of a tax bill? Should that be on the table as well? I mean, I think that the reality is in political timing that phase two of a tax bill is probably likely after August recess and the tariff conversation is now. Is that an important dis distinction for all of you to have that the tariff conversation now? It's it's on everyone's mind. I mean, obviously, I mean, you, you talk to the business community and, and you know, it, 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 the context here matters in that there are real systemic structural issues in the international environment that have to be dealt with. The fact that we're having a meaningful conversation around it is positive. The next steps, I think, are the open question and, and, and is really the yellow flag. But, I, you know, from my perspective, 20-year optimism. And that optimism survey was offered in the middle of the second quarter as the tariff conversations were starting. People knew what was coming. People, you know, the president's been very clear in his comments through the campaign of where his head was on the underlying issues. 
manufacturing sector looked at that, they heard it, they were aware of it, and said 95.1% of them are optimistic about the future of their economy and the future of their company. I think that gives you a sense of where, where things are right now. That's such an interesting an analysis that, that people in your alliance would have seen that tariff conversation happening and so they could sort of predict or um, you know, understand what will be coming down the pike. I mean, Chris, has there been a surprise among workers at how tariffs play out and, and how they're becoming part of our conversation right now? Absolutely, yeah. So it sounds good. Keep American jobs here, you know, buy American. Right, yeah, except that it doesn't always work out that way when you put, when you have the tariffs that are sitting there and the trade wars, uh, that's going to hurt jobs in the United States and uh, um, probably all over the world. And, uh, you know, uh, you said uh, we need to have legislators talking about it. Well, if you can get a legislator to talk about it, let me know because I haven't heard them talking about it at all. Maybe we're up here talking about it, but the legislators are not talking about tariffs or trade wars at all. The only one that is is uh, the president. We'll have a legislator here in a little while, so maybe that'll come into the conversation about taxes. Bringing us back to some of the uh, things that came up, obviously, in the, in the first tax law that was passed back in December, let's talk about individuals and how individuals are impacted and whether or not some of those individual impacts should be made permanent. Seth? Um, so, you know, uh, the, so the tax cuts for individuals were modest and they were temporary, right? And over the long run, they're offset so that most most people in the United States would pay higher taxes and 83% of the benefit of this tax bill would go to the top 1%. Um, but I think even in the short term, and even if we extend these tax cuts, um, you know, people are getting hurt on the flip side. So the tax bill uh, you know, repealed a key part of the Affordable Care Act, the individual mandate, and the Congressional Budget Office says that's going to raise health care premiums by 10% on top of whatever, whatever other increase they would see in the individual marketplace. And we're already starting to see uh, insurance companies uh, raise premiums for next year and attribute that to this provision of the tax bill. Um, so that's just another way. When I mean, we talk about tariffs, which are a you know a tax on a regressive tax on consumers, um, that's another way that middle class people are paying out of pocket uh, and with the benefit uh, swallowing any uh, uh, likely swallowing any short term modest benefit they might get from the tax bill. Um, if they are getting a benefit, about nine million people are seeing their taxes increased by the tax bill. Chris, what's your perspective on at CWA on how breaks have have affected American workers? Um, if we're seeing deductions go up, if we're seeing individuals and couples be able to um, look at their taxes over this next year and and see some number changes, are, are, are your workers part of that? We're seeing slight increases and in, in, uh, or decreases actually in, in what people are paying in taxes, but they're, they're clearly uh, uh, on the wrong side of the ledger when, when it comes to what they're paying for healthcare and what they're paying for uh, gasoline and what they're paying for almost everything. And when you add in tariffs and trade wars, uh, the tax cut, if, even the small amount that my, uh, that workers have uh, gotten is going to be eaten up by all of that. Eric, can you respond to that? I mean, I, again, I go to the 2,000 employees for one company that received a 13% increase in their wages. Another company that comes to mind is Staub Manufacturing, north side of Dayton, Ohio. Steve Staub and his sister started the company. They had 24 employees. After the tax cut, tax reform bill passed, they added 13 employees. One of the things that 
has really been interesting in the course of, of the discussions. It's kind of a, a macro, economic wide, what's going to happen. I would kind of you know, point to a guy named Corey the Welder. And Corey the Welder got some fame tied to the, the present State of the Union address where he was kind of highlighted as, I was able, I, Corey, was able to buy a house, my first time actually owning something because of the impact that the tax reform bill had on style manufacturing and had, a, and had on him and his family. That's what this has got to be about. You know, so thinking about, you know, long term, it matters. But we, take stock of where we are. There's 115,000 families that have a job that didn't before. Steve Staub and his, you know, 13 additional employees and Corey the welder has a house. That should be what the issues are. Seth? I mean, we can go back and forth and sort of match anecdote for anecdote. Obviously, there are workers and people struggling in this economy. There are people, uh, you know, as Chris mentioned, have been laid off. Um, but let's just look at the data. Um, job growth is about 200, 000, has been about 200,000 per month. That is, you know, over the last year or so, um, and since the tax bill has passed, that is less than we saw in 2014, 2015, 2016. And we're not saying that's because of the tax bill. It's certainly not. Um, but on, you know, on the flip side, we just haven't seen any kind of renaissance. What we've seen is a continued economic recovery that began in 2009. And on the real wage growth side, again, from last May to this May, real wage growth, which is the bottom line, I mean, that is the thing that matters for workers in this economy, um, has been 0, 0.0. Now, maybe in the future we will see that go up, but we just haven't seen it yet. And because all of the nominal increase in wages have been eaten up by healthcare prices, by gas prices, uh, and by other costs in this economy. Since CWA and other unions are looking for the numbers on how businesses are, are using the gains from um, the new tax code, Caroline, should those businesses just release those numbers and show everyone sort of how they're truly being impacted? Bottom well, I think line? businesses have certain requiring, filing requirements, whether it be with the IRS, Treasury, NLB, SEC, and they should always comply with the law. I think in terms of for us, just to, to kind of throw my hat into this debate, look, we're talking about the 600 companies that have made positive announcements, who have said we're giving bonuses, we're increasing workplace training, we are increasing charitable contributions. We're focusing on the 48 states. You hit on gas taxes rising. They do that this time of year. I think it's small in proportion to what's going back into people's pockets. But we've seen 48 states reduce consumer energy costs. And, and you know, we, ha we are seeing the American worker keep more in their pocket. So for us, this is the first step. This is a short-term benefit. This is a long game. We did comprehensive tax reform to get long-term sustainable economic growth. I think we should give it more than six months to, to work through. You know, look at it at a year, look at it a year and a half, look at it at five years, ten years to really understand, you know, how the policy works and the benefits. So should of it. we pump the brakes right now, pause, and look at tax reform, say in the next? No, Congress? I think you no. Know, I think we're seeing things. I think we're seeing benefits now. I think we're going to continue to see benefits. Um, I think as as I kind of highlighted earlier, as this continues to work its way through the economy, will we see upward pressure on wages? Will we see, you know, increased capital investment? Companies are still digesting this. I mean, so let's give it a little time to work through. So I don't think we should get pump a, brakes I on get a true answer though, would it, would it help, do you think, worker confidence if they could see the numbers and they could see some breakdowns, as we've seen from some companies, the breakdowns of sure, and the true answer the is that I think whatever they're entitled to, you know, under LNRB, under SEC, under the based on the law that exists already. Yeah, what they, they just what they should have to share, absolutely, in, in compliance with the law. But not going forward. I don't know, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're specifically asking for, so I can't, I, it's hard for me to comment on. We're asking for where the money went. Right, and if that's something you're entitled to, absolutely. But I think companies have responsibilities to shareholders and fiduciary duties, and they have to keep that in mind, um, as well as they make investment decisions, as well as they make decisions to make sure the company goes on. And we're asking for where the money went because we know who didn't get it. 
Well, and I well, think I, we, Unfortunately, we do have to end the conversation, but we will continue this conversation in the green room, I have a feeling, in a few minutes. I still think tax reform's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much to all of our panelists, um, and thank you for watching. I'll hand things over now to our sponsor for the next segment. Thank you, everyone. Thank Thanks you. so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.